After decades of secrecy, the enigmatic chocolatier, Willy Wonka, is finally opening the doors of his factory to the public. Five golden tickets have been hidden inside five Wonka bars around the world, and the finders of those tickets will get to tour the factory and go home with a lifetime supply of chocolate. Augustus Gloop, Veruca Salt, Violet Beauregard, Mike TV, and Charlie Bucket are in for the adventure of a lifetime, again, in the 2005 remake, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Maja Pierce-Lewis. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. Our journey into a world of pure imagination is far from over. This week, we're tackling Tim Burton's adaptation of Roald Dahl's sweetest story. This back-to-back Wonkamania truly began when uh, Maja requested an episode on this movie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So I guess we'll start with my question. What is it about this version of the story that makes it your favorite? I love all of the songs, first of all. I remember when it came out, um, that was just the number one thing that stood out to me. The songs were just like really cool for the time. They're really catchy. They're really funky, got you involved. Me and my cousin, um, when it hit DVD and we would watch it at her house, we would like just solely play the music videos or the music portions of it. Um, And then we'd make up like choreography to it. It was a whole thing. (laughs) So she has her favorite, I have mine. My song is Veruca Salt. I love that song. Hers is Mike TV song. (laughs) And it's very telling of our personalities. but yeah, by far, hands down, the songs. And then I think also the backstory that you get for not only the like the Oompa Loompas and for Willy Wonka. Because in the Gene Wilder version, you don't really get too much backstories, especially about the Oompa Loompas. They're just like there. They're like, boop. And you're like, who are these little small, orange, skinned, green-haired people? And so though they changed that dynamic in the, this version of the movie, um, it was just so cool to see like a background story. And I don't know, I kind of, in this rewatching of it too, I started thinking, I was like, oh, they're like in this like Amazonian style forest. And I was like, isn't that how our chocolate trading is currently in South America and Africa? And I was like, oh, this is, this is a lot deeper than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's, there's a reason for that. That's because the original Oompa Loompas in the Roald Dahl book were uh, African pygmies. Wow. See, I never read the book and mm. um, I have feelings now. Yep. There was the publisher <laughs> who ultimately said, like, Roald, you, you got to you got to change this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, fine, fine. And in the movie, it was a uh, the yeah, it was uh, a lot of uh, little people like m- movements like appealed to the director of the original movie to be like, can you please not do this bad? Like, can you please? change this so it's not offending a bunch of people and yeah. that's how we got the the orange skin and the green hair is like they look like cartoon characters now they're not you know now, now they're now they're mythical creatures right it's not overt black face no it's orange face anybody can you know, do orange that, face we had, right. we had a president who had orange face <laughs> uh ugh. god willing we don't have another one um you know, listen <laughs> so Yeah, I think this movie does a better job of grounding Willy Wonka as a person and not as this kind of possible 
serial killer weirdo. You know? Even yes. though even though his character in this movie you could make an argument that like the real Willy Wonka is tied up in a closet somewhere and this crazy dude oh, no. there's something so <laughs> uncomfortable about Depp's Wonka yeah. that I, I can't get past. Yeah. And that's what that's does it for me. For me this is the worst one of the three Wonka <laughs> movies we've gotten. Not the worst. I just don't I I love it because I feel like Gene Wilder's version was like barely functioning alcoholic. You know, he gave me those vibes. Like he's been <laughs> drinking for some time now and he's struggling, but he makes it work. This version gave me more like like Johnny Depp's Wonka has like DID, you know, like dissociative identity disorder. And okay. so, but like it makes sense because you're like, look at the trauma you went through. So I get how you go, you switch in and out, you know, like you literally disassociate, you kind of have these different voices and stuff. It made more sense. Gene Wilders was like, oh, you about to be abusive, especially when he started yelling at um at Charlie's grandfather in that version. His face was beet red. Like, okay, you need anger management. I, but now we understand more of like why. And he's less, you know, on alcohol and more just mentally fucked up. I love the idea that like Wilders Wonka is like a, like an alcoholic i never thought of that but the, like thinking about it mm -hmm. that makes so much sense like yes. he's just burned out with life mm -hmm. he, he clearly hates children and he, he hates just, kids <laughs> i do love that that through line hasn't changed in both movies like he he hates kids especially these kids and he's yeah. just done with the shit yeah <laughs> and but i also noticed that like in this version too like johnny depp's um version he also, he has a disdain for family. And again, we know why, because of his own experience with his dad. But like when Charlie's like, yeah, you know, thanks for this opportunity, but like, I got a family to go to because I miss them. I love them. I don't want to ditch them. And he's like, well, why? like you have this great opportunity. Why? So you, he not only <laughs> greatly dislikes the children. I mean, just look at the way he was treating Augustus in the beginning. Um, but he also is like ill family. No. He has this aversion to it until kind of the end, kind of, but. I, I do too. I do think some of that in this movie comes from an unreliable narrator. Like mm. I doubt his dad like literally threw his Halloween candy in the fireplace. Like I Yeah. I think a lot of that is him misremembering a childhood that I mean, you know, any any guy who becomes a chocolate maker and has a dentist dad, there's there's going to be some kind of pushback there, but I I don't think it was that rough. I think Wonka made a lot of this up. I think he yeah. He imagined a lot of this abuse that might not have happened. It might have just been like, you know, he just resented the headgear. Yeah. I don't, but we won't ever know that because, you know, we're not, we don't get Wilbur Wonka's side of things. We just hear the crazy chocolate man's side of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's good to consider. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I, I get it. Yeah, you've got, you know, you've got some personal connection to the movie. That's that's why I love the 70s one so much is because I've, I've got a similar personal connection to that movie. Mm. Uh, yeah. OK. Do you have a you have a question? I have a couple. Well, not like I'm not saying like I have a plethora of them, but like <laughs> yeah, um, I guess the first one that I thought of. So speaking of Gene Wilder, like, how do you think? Gene Wilder's Wonka would view Johnny's version. Like how how would they revere each other? <laughs> I actually there's uh there's there's recorded evidence of what Gene Wilder thought of of this movie. Uh he was interviewed about it and um he didn't care for it. <laughs> he yeah, he 
he really he considers Willy Wonka to be one of his, you know, crowning achievements in his career. And he didn't think this needed to happen. And he didn't he, he thought mm-hmm. that the interpretation of Willy Wonka was weird and different and not wholesome like his was. And I'm thinking like, yeah, but also, you know, you were sarcastically attacking these kids the whole time. But yeah. wholesome might not be the right word. Uh, but I know that like Depp considered this an honor to play Willy Wonka. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's a role that's iconic, you know, and actors want to put their own spin on it. When I get to the list of actors who were considered for this role, it's fucking all over the map. Wow. Uh, they weren't even looking for like a type. They were just like any actor who can put asses in seats. We were going to talk to. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Wilder wasn't a fan. But, you know, if you're going to if somebody's going to remake a movie that is considered like your masterpiece, you're going to have some bitter feelings towards that. That's true. And I guess I could see because, I mean, you know, Tim Burton's behind this one. So he put his little like weird spin. And so I and with that being said, I kind of see elements of like Jack Skeleton. (laughs) It's like it's giving Jack Skeleton meets um, Captain Jack Sparrow. (laughs) And it creates this this Wonka character that we have like kooky, weird, like, are you high drunk? (laughs) Do you have some mental issues? But then also like creepy but like in a in a sincere way i know that sounds so odd to say because jack skeleton was very much like he was i mean he is a skeleton you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he wanted to just recreate christmas but he did it in such a way that was actually terrifying to people but he was so unaware of it and so i can see those elements all mixing in to create johnny depp's wonka um I don't know. I liked it. I liked how weird it was. I don't know. Maybe I, I love Tim Burton stuff. I love the kind of creepy side to it that has you wondering, guessing. It's just it's it's something alluring about it. I don't know. I also watch a lot of true crime, so I don't know what this is about me. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, in the interest of Tim Burton, I went ahead and finished off the films of his that I had not yet seen just for kicks mm-hmm. in case that came up. And uh, I ended up watching Big Fish, which I enjoyed. I love that one. Uh, and then I, um, that was it. I, I, Big Fish was the last one I hadn't seen, but there were some others I hadn't seen in a long time that I decided to rewatch. Mm-hmm. One of which was Planet of the Apes, 2001. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came to the realization that that is essentially a feature long or feature length version of the SNL sketch. Mark Wahlberg talks to animals, <laughs> which is hilarious to think about, but it's a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, I followed that with the Alice in Wonderland remake. Mm. Which I also really didn't like. No. Uh, so I was going to watch Dark Shadows after that, but at that point I was like, I'm done watching bad Tim Burton movies. I can't do this for a fourth time. So yeah. I just didn't watch Dark Shadows. <laughs> but uh, somewhere along the line, Tim Burton kind of became the go-to guy for half-assed remakes, and I don't know why that happened. Like, when you look at his original output, he's one of the most creative directors we've ever had. Yeah. I want that back. I know he's still in there. The guy who gave us Beetlejuice and Ed Wood and Corpse Bride and Sweeney Todd. Like, where where is he? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch fucking Dumbo or, you know, Dark Shadows, Alice in Wonderland, all these movies. He just keeps he just signed in. He just signed on to do Attack of the 50 Foot Woman remake of a 50s movie. So he's still doing it. <laughs> still doing his remake. <laughs> It's so weird. Dark Shadows is the vampire run, right? I yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. Okay. I think I remember it. I saw it at the movies and I was like, this is terrible. And then I just never watched it again. <laughs> so it's been 12 oh, years. I remember it. Mm-hmm. 
But like, you know, Beetlejuice and Mars Attacks are two of my all time favorite, like yes. sacred movies. So like, yes. I, I have a lot of love for this guy, but I also am like, dude, why? Come on, stop. You can't need the money that bad. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I'm, I never even thought of considered that um, like half ass remakes because with the Alice in Wonderland, again, I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah. Um, but I remember when it came out, I can't remember if I saw it in theaters, but I know I eventually had it on some form of DVD or something. Um, I don't know. Again, I liked it. I, I think I maybe not the storyline. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough to it. Um, but I think just how he does, sets up everything, his vision for it, how he manifests it in his films. I love that stuff because it's it's weird. There's a dark element to it, but it's very like fantasy. Yeah, I don't know. It's something magical about it that I enjoy. And maybe maybe it's more of like a set and design production thing as opposed to like the script. Oops. <laughs> well, admittedly, Alice in Wonderland grossed over a billion worldwide. So maybe that's not the best example. Yeah. Um, I just prefer with his work, I prefer his original output because they're always so much mm -hmm. better. They're always so unique and exciting and memorable as opposed yeah. to just slapping your name on the remake of whatever is coming out next. That's true. Yeah. And I feel the same way about every director. Like, you know, when Steven Spielberg did War of the Worlds, I was like, this is terrible. Like, why is he doing this? So bad. Yeah. It was so bad. <laughs> I don't trust Tom Cruise to save me. <laughs> mm, no. He's part of Scientology. No. I don't know. I mean, if aliens ever invaded Earth and like tried to steal our souls, I'm the first place I'm going to is the Church of Scientology because that's that means they got it right. Well, I guess. <laughs> I just I see him jumping on Oprah's couch. I'm like, that man is not protecting anybody. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go clear before the Thetans get me. <laughs> <laughs> One day we're gonna do like a Tom Cruise like movie on this podcast. We I don't think we ever have because we've never actually proper properly dug into all that crazy shit. It's yeah. gonna happen one day. We do Mission Impossible or fucking Cocktail or whatever. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, you said you had a couple questions. Yeah, one more. So, um, well, I mean, I guess we already talked about it. I was just wondering if you thought, like, what what elements do you think comprises Johnny Depp's version of Wonka? <laughs> like, what uh, makes him who he is? Well, I know that they've he and Burton have refuted the fact that he's based on Michael Jackson. I call bullshit on that. I can see it. They don't <laughs> the want to admit it. Girl. Yeah. The the voice, the weird attitude towards children. I can totally see them oh, no. pulling a little Michael Jackson into this performance. Uh, uh, in terms of like what they actually said the role was based on, um, I do have that in my production info, so I'll hold off on that for now. But personally, mm -hmm. it's too it's too close. It's too close to mm -hmm. I, I mean, I half expected a fucking monkey to come out and just like perch on <laughs> on on Wonka's shoulder. <laughs> that's so bad <laughs> dang uh, okay let's get into it proper uh, mm -hmm. as I said last week you know same source material film began life as the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory mm -hmm. by Roald Dahl published in 1964 uh, but before we get into the production history I do want to talk a little bit about Roald Dahl's lesser known sequel Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator uh, 
which was published in 1972, eight years after the first book. I decided to read this on my own to prep for this episode because I had I read it in middle school, but I did not remember it at all. And I can't believe I forgot because this is one of the weirdest, most awkward, racist, nonsensical books I've ever read in my life. Uh, Roald Dahl, not fond of Asians. Well, is, that's the lesson I took from this book. An old British man born in the 1910s, so... I know, but like <laughs> you hope that's you hope these people because they were artists had were a little more enlightened in society. Most of the time, they're not. No, not at all. Uh, just to uh, clarify, the, the the bits I'm talking about here, there's a there's a bit in the book involving the premier of China, uh, who is named in the book uh, "How You Been." So mm -hmm. right there, uh, and his assistant premier, uh, Chu On Dat. Oh my god! And the you know. The way they talk is very the R and the L get swapped out as per like the racist, typical mocking ch Chinese accent. And that's just wonderful to read. Oh. Uh, basically, the premise of this book, it, it picks up right after uh, Charlie has won the chocolate factory and they blast out of the factory in the mm -hmm. great glass elevator and go pick up the the, the family. And mm -hmm. all, they all end up in the elevator, the grandparents, the parents, everybody somehow. It's a big elevator. And uh, they end up in space in this book uh, where they run into the space hotel, which has been launched into space to for rich people. And it's about to like open and there's concierges and maids and cooks and all on this giant space station. And uh, the president has, you know, they have cameras like filming the space thing in space. And the president of the United States is this weird little man child with vice, his vice president is his nanny. So I don't think wow. it was very fond of Americans either. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> and he thinks that the Great Glass Elevator is, is aliens and they're going to shoot down Wonka and Wonka makes no effort to tell them they're not aliens because he's having too much fun screwing with everybody. Wow. They land on the space hotel. He says a bunch of wacky nonsense and they assume that he's from Mars. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then Real aliens show up in the form of the vermicious knids, which get a mention in uh, the first movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're these like meatball looking giant space aliens that consume everything they touch and they're going to invade Earth. And again, this is still the, this is based on the, you know, this is a sequel to the Chocolate Factory book. It, wow. It's so crazy. And uh, all that shit happens. And that's the first half of the book. The second half of the book involves the grandparents going to the factory. They crash land back at the factory mm -hmm. and the grandparents take this stuff called Wonka Vite, which like turns them young. And grandma Georgina takes too much of it and disappears. And now she's in minus land, which is where people go. If you de-age too quickly, which is basically like fucking purgatory. So Wonka, which is a room in the factory, apparently Wonka oh goes to minus land with Charlie and they get Georgina's ghost. And I'm going to stop now because this is fucking crazy. But uh, this is all a euphemism for drugs. Like, it's, it's there's be, no way. I have no idea where any of this came from. And it doesn't flow well at all. It's it's only 159 pages. And all that is crammed into that? My yeah. God. It's big font. It's, it's a quick read, but it's terrible. And... Uh, I recommend not reading it. I kind of want somebody to make a movie out of it just to see what this ends up being. Like I, I Timothy Chalamet in space and shit. I don't know. I guess it'd be yeah. kind of like Dune. 
But um, yeah, I I had to. I started reading it, and I was I got, I was reading, and I'm like, I need to talk about this because this is fucking crazy. I've never heard anybody talk about Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that was worth it. <laughs> what a wow. dumb and it's funny because when you mentioned the meatball things, I I thought of like I don't know why. <laughs> But the image that popped up in my mind was that meatball from um, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. So I just saw like a whole bunch of those bouncing around. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Here, I know you can't see it on um, if you're listening to this, but here there's illustrations in here. And I'm going to show you, like, look, this is what... That's that's the Vermicious Canid. Oh, it does look like that. It looks like a little... Like a, a teardrop-shaped nugget. Yeah. And they can wow. stretch into snakes and stuff and... I, there's wow. no chocolate in this book at all. It's, I was going to say, how do we get from Chocolate Factory to space meatballs and destruction and Chinese emperors? Like, I'm so confused. Like, yeah. it's so left. <laughs> it is so just... And anytime someone tries to ask, like, well, what's going on? Wonka just says some wacky shit and they just he ignores them. Wow. <laughs> that is insane. So if you guys want, seek out Charlie and the Great, Great Glass Elevator. Uh, it's a tough read because it, it's just bad. Um, but, you know, if you're a roll doll completionist, you're going to have to. Wow. Yeah. So moving on. <laughs> My sources for today's episode uh, are featurettes from the Blu-ray bonus features of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, as well as IMDb trivia with a little bit from Wikipedia to double-check names and dates. So that's what we're working with today. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Roald Dahl was not a fan of the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, despite writing the screenplay himself and director Mel Stewart having nothing but positive things to say about him in the production history book I used for last week's episode. So somewhere along the line, Roald Dahl just decided to be bitter about this movie. He was like, it's not what I wanted. That's great. <laughs> Even though he wrote it and had final say over the screenplay. Like, he had so many opportunities to say something and he just didn't. Sound like a personal problem. Yeah. Uh, so since Willy Wonka had grown into quite the family hit over the decades, at the you know, when it came out in 1971, it was financed by the Quaker Oats Company and barely made his money back. Wow. But now, you know, by the time the, I mean, the 90s rolled around, this thing had been seen on TV a lot. People loved it. It, mm -hmm. was, it, it became a cult hit. So Warner mm. Brothers entered into a deal with the Dahl estate to buy the rights and develop a remake. And the deal was finalized in 1998 with the Dahl estate having full creative control over casting, writing, and directing. Nothing happened without their approval. Mm -hmm. It's a hell of a deal to get. A lot of artists mm -hmm. do not get that deal. Yeah. Um, at the time, the Dahl estate's shortlist for directors of the remake included Ang Lee, Spike Jones, Anthony Minghella, and Terry Gilliam. Uh, Spike Jones and Terry Gilliam, I think, would be would have done a really cool job with this mm -hmm. with this story. Especially Gilliam, he's known for his weird ass world. You know, Brazil, Time Bandits, Baron Munchausen, all the Monty Python movies. He, mm -hmm. yeah, he would have that would have been interesting. <laughs> um, Nicholas Cage had expressed interest in playing Wonka, but uh, no. nothing came of it. No, that would have been awful. A 90s Wonka starring Nicolas Cage directed by Terry Gilliam, I I would I would trade this for that in a heartbeat. I want to see that. What? 
not Nicolas Cage. I mean, just think of the boat scene in the original where Wonka's losing his mind. Picture Nicolas Cage doing that shit. But I can I can only, you know, listen, I can only see him saving the Declaration of Independence. Oh. That's all I can see him doing. I'm sorry. I love National Treasure, but he is so much more than that. I know, but it's like it's that really just freeze framed him and his career for me. I don't know. Ah, I'm going to I'm going to suggestion su- suggest some stuff later. Okay. <laughs> uh, so in the late 90s, uh they started just kind of tossing names around. They weren't ready to start anything yet, but more names kept coming up for the project, including Martin Scorsese to direct. I, oh God. Yeah. That would have been interesting. You know, I yeah. couldn't see that, but then like, I, you know, you look at a movie like Hugo, you know, kid adventure that he did. I think he could have pulled off an interesting Wonka. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey was also one of the big contenders to play Willy Wonka, but okay. uh, he and Scorsese, neither name made it farther than brief consideration, but 90s Jim Carrey, excellent choice for Willy. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. that would Because around that time, right, it's like mask-ish time, because late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. So like Truman Show, Man on the Moon, Grinch, Jim Carrey. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the more names are tossed about, the more the doll estate was like, eh, I don't know. But Warner Brothers wasn't giving up. And in 2003, the Dahl estate approved of a director, Tim Burton, who had previously produced another Dahl adaptation in 1996 with James and the Giant Peach. I loved that one. I've never actually, I've never seen it. I've only seen the, when when I was a kid, I had a VHS of Muppet Treasure Island. And there was a, there was a preview of James and the Giant Peach before that. I have the preview memorized because I watched that movie so many times. So I I want to I want to watch James and the Giant Peach. I just haven't gotten around to it since I was a kid. It's amazing. It looks weird and crazy. It is very Burtony. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have to I'll have to watch that. And it's creepy. It's like some of the characters will put you in the mindset of um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, Burton's plan was to stick as closely to the book as possible. He was a fan. He had an interesting relationship with Dahl's work. I mean, you can kind of tell they had the same vibe of like bizarre, unique world and children in danger. Uh, so he wanted to do the book right. And in the in a feature out on the Blu-ray, Burton describes his relationship to the work, stating, quote, as a child, Dahl was the author who I connected to the most. He got the idea of writing a mixture of light and darkness and not speaking down to kids and the kind of politically incorrect humor that kids get. I've always liked that, and it shaped everything I felt that I've done. So, damn. Seems like yeah. Tim Burton was destined to to make this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this the only... I think this is the only Roald Dahl adaptation he's ever done. I think so. Yeah, which is interesting, because you think that, you know, he would have pursued more, like, you know, the witches or the BFG yeah. or... I don't know. No. Talking about weird, the BFG was weird. The whole I, CGI giant. I haven't seen that because I can't get past the title. I don't. I don't think big, uh, big friendly giant. I'm a. I'm a Doom fan, so I hear big fucking gun when <laughs> I hear BFG. Oh my god! <laughs> this is for children, sir. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll watch it eventually. It's one of the few Spielberg movies I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Burton went to meet with Doll's widow, uh, Felicity, who controlled the estate, uh. Her nickname's Lissy. 
which uh, actually, if you you ever see Matilda, mm-hmm. the doll that Miss Honey like lost to Trunchbull, the name of the doll is Lissy Doll. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Matilda is also a rolled doll story. Audience, uh, mm-hmm. very very good movie. Yeah, I loved it. Classic. Um. Uh, so. Lissy showed him around the estate, uh, showed him Dahl's writing shed. I guess he would write in this like little shed, you know, get away from distractions and just write. And Burton exclaimed, this is the Bucket's house. <laughs> and Lissy responded, thank God somebody gets it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they just connected. They were like, yeah, Lissy was like, yep, you're the guy. You you understand what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh she showed him some of Dahl's original manuscripts, which were far darker, way offensive, not really kids' books at all. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. One of the original manuscripts for Wonka had a child character literally named Herpes. No. Why nope. did they think that was okay? Because Roald Dahl did what he wanted. And I guess no. he wrote his book. He sent it to the editor. And the editor was like, trim this down. This is for children. <laughs> I want to know how the uh, how the character of herpes factored into this book. I want to know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's out of line. <laughs> oh, boy. Burton hired John August to write a screenplay from scratch. He had just worked with Burton on Big Fish, so they had a working relationship. Uh, August wrote the script in three and a half weeks. It blows my fucking mind how quickly these guys crank out a screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been working on my fourth novel for like a year and a half now. I'm 65 pages deep. And I can't imagine like just, you know, finishing this up by March. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but I guess if like this is all I was doing and I was getting paid for it, I guess there's different incentive there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. But still, it's, I mean, that's a lot of energy and creative like license in your brain that you have to crank out so fast. It's true. And remember, a lot of these guys take on multiple projects. So like, you know, yeah, you got one. So two, doing? Yeah. Got to deal with Warner Brothers. Got to deal with Universal. Got one to, mm-hmm. you know, do with Disney at the end of the month. Like, so you're you're juggling a lot sometimes. Yeah. Uh, August included many elements that had been cut from the original film due to budget restraints. Uh, Veruca getting attacked by the squirrels. Uh, the story about the Chocolate Palace. All that was in the book, but they couldn't afford to do that in the 70s movie. So they just gave mm-hmm. us, you know. Fizzy lifting drinks and golden geese, which is, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> but now you can have a small girl getting brutally attacked by a swarm of squirrels, and that's just great. It's my favorite one. Well, you know, she had it coming. Boy, did yeah. she. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burton and August included some new elements in their version, such as Willy Wonka's relationship with his father and mm-hmm. Grandpa Joe's own history working with Wonka. Those elements mm-hmm. aren't in the book. They added those into the movie to pat it out and give us a little bit more uh, grounding of the characters, mm-hmm. which I think worked, especially Grandpa Joe's history with Wonka. I thought that was a smart thing to add in. I do find it funny that he only brings that up later to Charlie after he's been building this scale model of Wonka's Chocolate Factory for God knows how long. Now, <laughs> Grandpa Joe's going to be like, oh, hey, you know, I used to work for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I think like the grounding of that backstory I think it, it adds more buy-in from the audience. You know what I mean? There's more of a relationship because I think, and I think the reason why I felt a little disconnected from the seventies version is because you don't know what the hell is wrong with that Wonka. Like you're like Gene Wilder, what happened to you? Like who, who did this to you to make you this way? 
like put down the whiskey. It's okay. We, we can do, we can go sober. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> that's the vibes that I got. And so it, it creates this, like, I know it's going to sound weird, but to a degree, it's even more scary to have such a, like a, a mystery around his backstory, but to see him behave in such an erratic way, because yeah. you're like, what, why? And where is this coming from? And how is he going to act next kind of thing? Um, whereas like with this one, with Johnny Depp's one, you understand, oh, he had whatever experience. And maybe the, the narrator is unreliable, but at least there's something there. There's a grounding basis for why he may behave the way that he does. And he has reasons as to why he has certain things in the chocolate factory set up the way that he does. You know, it makes a little bit more sense. And so you can, there's more relatability. Well, I, I think that I, uh, I think Colton pointed this out to me. Despite the film's titles, mm -hmm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is much more about Charlie. Yeah. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is much more about Wonka. That's very true. Yes. So I get that, you know, Wonka is not, you're seeing things unfold through Charlie's eyes in the original movie. And he doesn't know anything about Willy Wonka. That's fair. So I think giving us this air of mystery and also, you know, Gene Wilder wanted the, the audience to never know if Wonka was lying or telling the truth about anything. He wanted the audience to be kind of afraid and trustworthy of Wonka at the same time. And he pulled that off, I think, because, I you know, I'd, I'd get on the boat, but I also would be like, you know, screaming when he does that weird sol soliloquy. Oh, see, no, I don't trust liars. You hiding from me. Mm -mm -mm. You know what I mean? Like, because at least with with Johnny Depp's Wonka, like they were still creeped out. Like all those kids and the the parents were like, what is happening? But he would have these moments where he would, I don't know, where the narrator is telling us what, what he's going through, where his mind is. I'm assuming that maybe some of that story is being said aloud. And there are some elements within the movie where he's verbally telling the kids some of this stuff. Yeah. That makes me more, that makes me feel more at ease. Like you're still crazy and I still don't know what you're going to do. But at least now I understand. So if I have to get myself out of a sticky situation, I know how to handle myself. You know what I mean? Like, I know what, what will work your heartstrings. I think a lot of it also comes from the fact that, like, if I was in Wonka's Chocolate Factory, I wouldn't be the dumbass falling in the chocolate river or trying an experimental gum or trying to take home a squirrel or jumping into a television portal. You so know, I wouldn't, you know, I'd feel perfectly at ease with Wonka because I'm not going to be the kid who pisses him off. You know, that's totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Mike TV. How the hell did he think that was going to end up well? I like, don't know. That was really dumb. And also, in all four situations, the parents don't even try to help them. Not once. I noticed that. I noticed when um, when Veruca Salt actually got pushed down the little hole. Yeah. Her dad was like, oh, my God, Veruca. He did not move. Not one. He didn't jump over that gate. He could have totally did that several times. That man was towering over everybody. <laughs> When her when she is literally being swarmed by squirrels, he's just like, oh, just standing there <laughs> shocked on a like in front of a two foot tall gate. Like <laughs> walk over that and help your daughter. But also, if my daughter was Veruca Salt, I would also just kind of wait to see how things played out. And I think that's where he was heading for it. It's not murder if you're, you know, watching. Wow. Not on my hands. <laughs> But except when he when he found out there was an incinerator, a possible incinerator down there, I think that's when he was like, oh, snap, she might actually die. Like, maybe I should do something <laughs> like his face changed a little bit. There was a little bit more emotion. <laughs> I think for I think the most guilty parent is 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 uh, 
Augustus Gloop's mom because that was an easy fix. You know, my kid can't swim and he's in chocolate. Uh, jump in there and save your kid. Do you think she does she look like she could swim? Listen, <laughs> she's looking like Mrs. Puff. She cannot. What could she have done? Admittedly, can anybody swim through molten chocolate? That's fair, but definitely not her. <laughs> yeah, well, she could have tried. It was her her That's kid true. was gonna drown in chocolate. Yeah, she, she could have walked around to the other side of the thing. That's true. The other side of the little island, and she didn't even do that. That's fair. Yeah. Mike TV's dad could have, you know, broken the glass, or you know, while that platform was slowly rising, ran over there and grabbed his kid. I think he he actually hated his child too. They all did, except for, <laughs> except for Violet's mom. For Violet's mom, that was like you know her her meal ticket. Yeah, she was that living was her, vicariously through her. But her I mean, one, that still warrants hatred, though. Her one warning, her one thing was like, you know, how is she supposed to compete? That's what she was worried about. Yeah, I love that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny to just watch. You know, you don't see mm -hmm. a lot of movies where parents like hate their children. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, so, casting Willy Wonka. This proved interesting. Uh, Willy Wonka had been made famous by Gene Wilder. It was a coveted role. A lot of people wanted this. A lot of people were considered for this. I mean, everyone kind of knew Tim Burton was going to go with Depp. He's his go-to guy, has been for quite some time at this point. So there weren't a lot of surprises there. But if Depp had said no, some of the other studios or some of the other considerations by the studio were Bill Murray, Ooh. Christopher Walken, Ooh. It's chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I would have killed to see that. Come with me and you'll be <laughs> in a world of pure imagination. Greatest movie on earth. Greatest yeah. movie on earth. Um, Steve Martin. <laughs> I don't know. I think he could have pulled it off. Uh, Robin Williams. Oh. You think Gene Wilder was a weird, hard to pin down Wonka? Robin Williams yeah. would have been <laughs> manic on a level I don't yeah. think we can comprehend. That's true. Uh, Nicolas Cage, again. Uh, Jim Carrey, again. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Oh. That would have been cool. I can see that. Hmm. Robert De Niro. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I love De Niro, but Willy Wonka? I, no, really no way. <laughs> no. Brad Pitt. Hot Wonka. Ew, no. He uh, Will Smith. Hell no. Pre-slap, before everyone hated him, Will Smith. Still hell no. No. Uh, Mike Myers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you got to do Christopher Walken. Listen, <laughs> I, I am I am of these. I'm like, yeah, Walken would have been my choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ben Stiller. No, it would give too much Zoolander. <laughs> you know, there's got to be more to life than making ridiculously good looking chocolate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leslie Nielsen. Oh. I get, then it would have just kind of felt like a parody of Willy Wonka if, if it's yeah. Leslie Nielsen. Uh, John Cleese, Eric Idle, and Michael Palin from Monty Python, all three of them were considered. John Cleese, I think, would have been fantastic as Willy Wonka. Yeah. 
Uh, Patrick a lot of names. Stewart. Jeez, how long? <laughs> uh, Patrick Stewart. Huh. Yeah, I don't see that either. Uh, they were really shooting in the dark with these, huh? It, when it comes to casting, it's literally like throwing every dart you've got at the dart at the wall, hoping some stick to the dartboard. It really is just like who can we get and who can we afford? Yeah. So, on, in a perfect in a perfect situation, those two things line up, but that does not always happen. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam Sandler was the last name. No. Sandman as Willy Wonka. No. Uh, Dustin Hoffman wanted it, but he was not considered. I guess mm -hmm. he's too short and too expensive. And <laughs> Marilyn Manson really wanted no. it. He really, he's a huge Willy Wonka fan. He really wanted this, but they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're not trying to scare the shit out of people with this. We don't, no. Uh-uh. It's still child-friendly. Yeah. If I, if I was, you know, Escort, escorting my my child through a chocolate factory and we get there and the dude leading the factory looks like Marilyn Manson, we're going home. <laughs> How about we're not even getting to the chocolate factory after I've seen the advertisements. Yeah. Mm -mm. Um, I found this amazing. If Depp had said no or was not available, Tim Burton's second choice, amazingly, was Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. What? The Rock was Burton's second choice to play Willy Wonka if if Depp had said no. I am so confused. How did we go from the list you provided to The Rock? I have no what? fucking idea. He won't, what? I could never I couldn't find any reason behind this or like where this came from. I don't know. And at what? the time, he'd only done like The Mummy Returns and Doom. Like he wasn't a big name yet. I mean, in the wrestling world he was, but not as an actor. So I, maybe he was cheaper at the time. Connor, pull up a picture of that man and tell me how he would look with a purple top hat. That is insanity. I, You know what? I think quite dashing. He's, he's a handsome man. That's not the pur purpose. I want to see, see The Rock with like, you know, or Willy Wonka with like, you know, 12 inch biceps. I want to see that. I want to see a buff. That's like a scary Wonka. movie adaptation. Like a Willy Wonka who could bench press the fucking boat. Like, I want to see that. No, that's for like a scary movie thing. Let him do that in scary movie. Like, whatever. Is 11 right? There's so many now. If I just like, if Johnny Depp had like had a scheduling conflict or he was like, I don't really want this. Oh, this wow. movie would have starred The Rock. That was a very real. This was not like if he's available, you know, some executive said it like 13th name on the list. This was second choice. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's nuts. That yep. is so confusing. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> According to Depp in the featurette that I watched, um, he modeled his version of Wonka after children's show hosts like Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers. He saw Wonka as someone who puts on a face for kids but is hiding a lot of personal trauma. Like, this childlike thing is like just him trying to relate to kids in a way he thinks he knows, but he's not very good at it. <laughs> And he thought that was present in The Rock. I, From I, Mr. Rogers to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> well, this is how this is how Depp prepared for the role. I don't know what how, I don't know what The Rock would have done for Wonka. You're right. Uh, okay. Maybe Willy Wonka, you know, had a sports medicine degree in college <laughs> and like 
pursued chocolate as his dream, but like high protein chocolate. <laughs> he was doing CrossFit on the side. <laughs> yeah. Instead of a chocolate factory, it's like a protein powder factory. Like he's he's doing, you know, supplements. <laughs> I'm picturing like, are the Oompa Loompas like super cut too? Is he just running this like? They don't have to be. Yeah. I, to keep up with that guy. <laughs> uh, I thought this was weird. Depp based Wonka's distinct voice on how he imagined President George W. Bush would sound while completely stoned. Okay. <laughs> Again, a lot of very weird decisions were made yes. by everyone involved in this movie. Like, what is everyone was high, especially with this? They There's had no way. Okay. I love that. That's bonkers to me. It's like I'm, I'm picturing like Depp and Burton discussing the role, and Depp's just like, "Hey, you know, I had a couple of ideas about the voice. What do you think of this?" And he like did the squeaky thing, and Burton's like, "What the hell was that?" And he's like, "You know, it's President Bush. You know, after smoking a bowl." <laughs> and Burton's like, "You know what? That's Wonka. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do." <laughs> God, uh, you know what's very weird? I've seen some videos where like. Depp will run into fans and they'll like ask him to do the Wonka voice and he'll do it but like as regular Johnny Depp and it's fucking weird yeah I saw I was watching him do an interview where he was kind of going in and out of the voice and it is odd to see him like his soft tousled hair his shirt open and stuff with his glasses on and all his rings and he's doing this this weird pedophile voice it's weird <laughs> pedophile <laughs> voice oh it's boy <laughs> yeah you know yeah yeah I can see this voice saying, like, you know, we were just playing, officer. Like, <laughs> I, can see, I can see that. There's candy in my van. Like, <laughs> oh, come with me, kids. We're going to a chocolate factory. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Can I see some oh. ID? <laughs> right. Chocolate factory, my ass. Um, <laughs> so, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a pretty decent hit, grossed $475 million on a giant $150 million budget. Wow. To put that in perspective, the original Wonka had a $4 million budget provided by a company that makes oatmeal. So <laughs> things change. <laughs> inflation. Uh, inflation. This was the eighth highest grossing film of 2005. Wow. Yeah. 475 mil used to make, you know, used to land you in the top 10. Now you don't even make the top 50. That's crazy. It was nominated for a single Oscar at the 78th Academy Awards for Best Costume Design which mm -hmm. it lost to Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh. And weirdly, the first Wonka was also nominated for only one Oscar. And it uh, would have been cool if the 2023 one was nominated for one Oscar, but it got nothing. Wow. You get nothing. You lose. <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> With a beat red face. <laughs> uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has an IMDb score of 6.7. Rotten Tomatoes score of 83%. Audience score of 51%. What? Yeah, fan critics liked it. Fans really didn't. The original Wonka has loyalty. Like a lot of loyal fans on that movie. I guess. Uh, critics consensus reads, Closer to the source material than 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is for people who like their chocolate visually appealing and dark. Yes. I, I think the original is darker than this one. No. There, the is a, there is a legit full horror sequence in the original Willy Wonka. Oh, well. 
I don't know. It felt because I remember like it used to come on TV every holiday, just about, especially like Easter, Christmas time. Um, and it just felt slow, it, it, you know, and so it was that movie. It did. There were some parts that felt like really slow. And I was like, I, okay, let's speed it up. I want to see the kids get hurt. Like, <laughs> like I, I love the bits about like the world reacting to the chocolate factory or to the uh, golden ticket thing. I love seeing like the people, like the guy who makes the machine to tell like the guy who makes artificial intelligence to tell him where it is. And the, the machine's like, no, I'm not going to tell you it's cheating. Yeah. I love that stuff. The, yeah. the guy, the, you know, the, the husband who's kidnapped and they want the Wonka bars and the wife's like, well, I don't know. Can I think about it? Like I thought I love the world building of that. I also love that in yeah. the original, it's never implicitly stated that the kids survived all that. That's true. Yeah. We don't see them again after their accidents, at least in this one, they, you know, they walk out. Okay. Question mark. Yeah, yeah, because Mike is all stretched out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they also didn't sign the contract in this one, so there's going to be a lot of lawsuits about to hit Wonka. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah, a lot of personal injury claims, a lot of punitive damages, a lot of emotional. Yeah, yeah. they're going to own, especially Mr. Salt. Like Wonka, Wonka's Chocolate Factory is about to be a subsidiary of Salt Industries. Yeah, well, honestly, I think his lesson was I need to get my daughter in line. I think he was more pissed off at Veruca than anything. So, yeah, their relation, their dynamics going to change, but like, mm -hmm. you know, a gloop's made of chocolate now. Apparently, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Violet's blue and stretchy, and mm -hmm. Mike TV is Slenderman. So you know, things don't <laughs> things didn't work out for. I mean, Veruca's covered in garbage. She's going to be fine. Everyone yeah. else is irreparably physically destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you mm -hmm. know. The parents got to, you know, can you imagine having to go home? Like, you know, they got to go home to their significant others and tell them how their day went. Like, Mr. Yeah. TV's got to go home to the family and be like, well, uh, something happened at the chocolate factory. <laughs> Mike is now eight feet tall and uh, don't mention it. You're right. Well, at least that saves that saves Mr. Salt because he would have had to tell his wife, like, listen, she got burnt up in the incinerator. We got another. They would have celebrated. They would have been like, "We're free," probably. and sold all of her shit, made back another couple million dollars, and yeah, probably had another baby and tried a little harder to parent this one. I don't know about that try harder part. I mean, after dealing with Veruca, I if if I had been a, if I'd been the parent who result like whose actions resulted in that monstrosity, and right. I had an opportunity to try again, I'd I'd try a little harder. Yeah. Well, you would hope that he had a change of heart, but I feel like. It's very telling of them as parents. I feel like that, like, look, that look he gives her at the end where she's like, but I want it. And he's like, <laughs> gives her that, like, I'm going to back, backhand you look. <laughs> yeah, things are changing. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, let's take a look at the movie. Uh, give some, or, you know, look at the categories, different stuff we liked about it. We've got best scene, best performance, best music moment, and best line. Where do you want to start? Mm, it's so hard. Okay, let's start with song. Okay. So best song. I love the Veruca Salt song. I know it by heart. So when it came on, I was singing every single word. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like demented it is. Cause you you like she just fell down the chute. You don't know where it's going. You don't know if she's getting burnt up as we speak. But the Oopaloopas start coming on is like this harmon like this harmony, this angelic harmonious kind of song that they're yeah. serenading everybody with. And it's just like it's beautiful. 
But you don't know if she did or not, but it's gorgeous because like she's a piece of shit and she's where she's supposed to be. And everyone's rejoicing. And I love it. It's beautiful. It's a masterpiece. Mwah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good scene. I do yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do like it's it's almost like a feels like a Beach Boys song. Yeah. Weird. All these songs, by the way, are the original songs from the book that were then modified to fit a movie but like these are all the the songs that Roald Dahl wrote in the book wow which I am I am impressed with that you know I, mm -hmm. I still prefer the original you know oompa loompa I, I prefer that because mm -hmm. that was kind of creepy <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> ominous I um I went with the I went with the Mike TV song I do like that one because mm -hmm. all the oompa loompas have this vibe of like are you kidding me again a fourth time <laughs> like still like there's this kind of like you, you had this coming kind of vibe to it, which I like. And I like, you know, flipping through the channels and the different kinds of the psycho reference and the rock yeah. song and all that. I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, I love Danny Elfman's score. I love the opening credits. It, it I think it sets mm -hmm. a good tone for what this is going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Danny Elfman and Tim Burton have one of the best relationship, like working relationships in Hollywood ever. The stuff they've, mm -hmm. you know, the work Elfman's put out for Burton has been just incredible for a long time um even when the movie might not be up to par elfman is always up to par mm -hmm. um i also really like the uh this the scene where the boat arrives and the music's kind of like almost like from ben-hur or something mm -hmm. and it has this vibe of like you know if, if you if you, odds are if you're watching this you or at least when you if you saw this in theaters in 05 you'd seen the original movie or you had you know your parents had or something mm -hmm. And it's almost like a nod to like, hey, remember the boat? Remember this? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Are we gonna do it again? You don't know. It's back. <laughs> like I, I like that the, that Elfman kind of gave you a little tease of like, you know, you don't know where we're. There's no knowing where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh any other music you want to shout? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I like the violet. First of all, the first three right the first three songs mm -hmm. i really like i mean i like the mike tv one of course but you know augustus gloop so greedy violin and infantile i love I it lo i love that so i love that song specifically because all the other three songs are like you know you got to be careful about how you live your life and you know this is what happens but that song is just look how fat this kid is <laughs> like they're just they just yeah, keep like going after gloop for you know just being a a fat useless member of society and i yeah, i do love that gluttonous yeah yeah just like but that was like yeah. and i think that song set the tone for the rest of the songs to come because it was like something happened to this kid obviously what's where's is this child look right and then everyone's just like fanfare well let's just celebrate and then that's when um charlie's like hey how does he know how did the, the Oompa Loompas know dude's name and how were they able to put it into a, a choreographed song so quickly? <laughs> like, what's happening here? I love, how Wonka, I love how Wonka's just like, ah, anybody can do that. Like he just shrugs <laughs> it off. Like this isn't weird. Uh, I do like in the, in the gloop song, how like the whole song is like, you know, this kid's fat and this is what happens. But then they just, there's that one line of like, like, you know, he will be altered quite a bit and they just kind of shrug <laughs> over that. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> What's happening to Gloop in that tube? Mm -hmm. And yeah, in the book, it's pretty much explicitly stated like, yeah, he turned into chocolate mm -hmm. and he's just walking out of the factory, like fucking eating his hand. 
That's great. And his mom's just like, please don't do that. I would be yeah. so much more concerned if my fat kid turned into chocolate. She just seems to be like, oh, you know, it shit yeah. happens. Well, she was kind of fed up at that point. <laughs> it was it was giving a Veruca Salt moment, you know what I mean? Because she she encouraged that. She enabled that. Yeah. The the big point like the big thing that like Doll really hammers home with all of these situations is like bad parents make bad kids. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the big lesson of almost every book he's ever written is like, you know, mm-hmm. assholes begat assholes. <laughs> that's just how the world works. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good music in this one. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go next? Uh, we can do best scene since, I mean, they go hand in hand. Okay. Uh, why don't you start us off? Um. I like the scene where we're getting backstory of um, Wonka and it's kind of reliving his childhood. So you see him with the, the huge brace apparatus around his face and it's just like pulling his, his teeth open and he looks all uncomfortable. And he's like, I just want chocolate. <laughs> and he sneaks the Halloween candy and he's trying to like lick it off his teeth. Like it, it plays with that child's like fascination and intrigue with candy and just like this fantastical kind of world. But then also the realities of life, like, oh, you got to brush your teeth. You're like, I don't want to brush my teeth. I just want to eat candy. <laughs> um, I love those scenes. It, it just it was just like nice to get backstory. It was fun to see like a little Wonka. It like play if you're a child watching it, you kind of relate to it. It's just I like that. I always question how exactly his dad moved the fucking house like how did <laughs> how did he do that and also how petty your kid's like well i don't want to be a dentist and he's like well i'm gonna you'll never see me again like it's yeah. so weirdly petty and he just held on to that grudge for like 30 years yeah well at the same time you know following his son's progress that that's that's the scene that i i picked um mm-hmm. is when wonka reunites with his dad and mm-hmm. you see all the the clippings of like, you know, Wonka factory opening and like Willy Wonka's got a new one. Like he's been so proud of his son's success, but you know, the pro, you know, the stiff upper lip English pride. No one's ever going to say they're sorry. No, no one wants yeah. to be the first one to admit they fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do love when he, you know, realizes his son's back and he gives him that hug. He's just, mm-hmm. it's so awkward, but it's so, it's, it's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and Christopher Lee usually plays such monster. So it's great to see him play just a, a kindly dentist who, ma- who made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one moment I just, I always love. <laughs> it's so weird. And I wonder if this is in the script or if this was something that Depp just did. It's when they all, uh, they go to the chocolate room for the first time and they all, mm-hmm. he, he tells them just, you know, go. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no big song. He's just like, go do something. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they all go away. But then Mr. Salt just looks at Wonka and Wonka is just like, like staring, <laughs> staring him down for some reason. I always <laughs> laugh at that. That's what I love about this Wonka. It's great. Like it's unhinged. <laughs> this man is unhinged. <laughs> yeah, it's like seventies Wonka has a clear irritation and hatred of kids, but I feel like 05 Wonka has a serious hatred of parents. Yes, and he just you know. He doesn't like the kids, but he like despises the parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we all know why that's his own trauma. Mm-hmm. A lot of projection there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, when he's especially Mr. Salt, he just lets him have it. Like when he just tosses his business card away. I... <laughs> it probably reminded him of his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So. His dad had a business card, too. 
Um, I do love Veruca's comeuppance. You know, they all kind of deserved it, but she more than anyone. Favorite one? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. And that nobody, like, I mean, she didn't see that coming. She thought she could just grab a, a squirrel and, what, put it in her pocket and take it with her for the rest of the trip. That's what entitlement does. Yeah. You know those were all real squirrels? Yeah, I remember. So when it was on DVD, you know, like DVDs back in the day, they used to have like the whole behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Um. So it was talking about that and how they had to do the Oompa Loompas. And it was just that one man and they, they did this whole process to make clones of him. Yeah, it was very extensive. I think it was well done. Yeah. I mean, when the squirrels were like, you know, breaking up the walnuts, they were real. Not when they were attacking the child. That wasn't real. Yes. No. Yes. That was not real. <laughs> yeah. No studio in the world is going to sign off on that kind of liability insurance. That's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that part, especially because, I mean, when she went down to go get it, like Wonka closed the gate and then was fumbling with the keys the whole time. He was like, oh, I don't know. Look at all these keys. And then all of a sudden, when it was done, he had the right one. He knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> I love that little moment where he like impersonates Mr. Salt's voice. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry, darling. Mr. Wonka's being unreasonable. Like, how did he do that? <laughs> it's so good. Oh. Um, Violet Beauregard's transformation is a lot more jarring and freakish in this one than it is in the 70s yeah. one because they could play with it a little. Um, yeah. And I've also I've heard a. Uh, like theories that she should have been the one who inherited the factory because she had the mind of a scientist. Like she was, you know, testing products on herself and she, she knew treats like she had the mind of an inventor. And what is her crime exactly? Chewing gum and being a little proud of herself. I mean, she did a lot. I'd be proud of myself. She had a, well, it's because she didn't listen to the rules. He was saying like, Hey, it's yeah. not a done product. Like, we're not finished with it. It hasn't been fully developed. So we don't yeah. know. And then this is a reoccurring thing that happens. But she was like, I can do it. So I don't know where the mind of a developer comes from. I think she was just trying to, like, win records. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's the first one to do the thing. Yeah, it's more just arrogance. Yeah. she was Because that was a dumb move. I think, <laughs> I, yeah. I do think that the other kids are worse. I think, like, Violet, I feel like you could work with. Uh, but, yeah. Now she's blue. Yeah. And yeah. I wonder what. And I don't even happen. think that level of competitiveness stemmed from her. That was definitely her mom pushing it. Oh yeah. You know that what was. I mean? Yeah. Um, that that was a uh, living vicariously. You know. Yeah. Very much. Yeah. I um, think she would have been on Charlie's level. She would have been chill. Probably. Yeah. Although she was kind of a bitch to Charlie that one time. That's true. Where he's like, "Why are you eat a different piece of gum?" And he, she's like, "Well, I'd be a loser like you." It's like it's gum. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I love that they give you a little bit more of Augustus being a dick when he's, you know, he asks Charlie, like, do you want some chocolate? And he's like, sure. He's like, well, then you should have brought some and walks yeah. away. Like, he's already it's, fat. He's got to be an asshole, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all over his face. Like, ugh. He's literally walking into a chocolate factory eating a chocolate bar. Like, he, his pockets are stuffed with fucking chocolate bars. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. <sighs> Dude, when he's just like going to town in the chocolate room, just like ah, just eating everything. I I thought they were going to change it up and just have him like have a heart attack in there. Yeah, how could he not throw up? At some point, your body just can't take it anymore. No, it can't. I mean, all the chocolate he ate that day before he got there, first of all, 
And right. then, you know, the cream puffs and all the, the grass he's like shoving into his face <laughs> and the handfuls of liquid chocolate. Yeah. Jesus. That, yeah. How do you not throw up after all that? God. I when I was a kid, that. there was like an orange soda I really liked. If I drank that too fast, I would throw up. Yeah. Ooh. This kid is just, you know, double fist in grass. <laughs> just the dirt and all. Just... Yeah. Jesus. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, any other scenes you want to shout out? Mm. I think I, I enjoy the scene where... Um... It was pretty clever how they did this, where I think Wonka wanted to talk to Charlie and ask him, like, hey, why why do you care about your family so much? And when he just he tried to disguise himself with just some random guy getting a shoe shined. Um, I just like the whole interaction and it just the build up to it was nice because it was it was like him having his Grinch moment, like his heart was growing two sizes too big. And he was realizing, wow, this does matter. <laughs> like, let me let me not be an asshole and also help. Because family does mean something, even if my childhood wasn't that great. So yeah, that's a that. sweet, it's a sweet moment. Mm -hmm. um, another sweet moment I really like is after Charlie finds the ticket and he goes home, and they're all excited, and he's like, "We're not gonna go. We need to sell this." And Grandpa George is like, all right, "Come here, look. There's always gonna be more money. There's not. There's never gonna be another experience like this. You need to mm -hmm. do this." Yeah. It does, you know. I I love that. I love my favorite thing about this movie is that the other grandparents got something to do. Yeah, yeah, they get to be full fledged characters in this one, mm -hmm. especially Grandpa George, just constantly commenting on the on the kids. Yeah, I, told, <laughs> I told you to be a porker. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> my favorite one was when the Mike TV interview where he's like, you know, I hate chocolate. He's like, well, it's a good thing you're going to a chocolate factory. You're ungrateful <laughs> little, and then. Charlie's dad covers yeah. his ears. <laughs> uh, let's do performance. Mm -hmm. Who, in your opinion, wins the movie? I mean, I don't, do I have to, I think Johnny does. I think he does a great job. I don't. <laughs> I don't even have him written down. Okay, well let's let's aside from him, let's go through the list. Um, who do I think did a really good job on this? I think I think Freddie Highmore did good playing Charlie. Yeah, he's a good and it's Charlie. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's just so crazy because like he would later go on to become a Norman Bates. <laughs> So that's a so that psycho bit in Mike TV's song was fitting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think he did great. He was I think he really played into the emotional side of things. I think he was just the kind, docile, humble kid that you're yeah. rooting for. He's almost too innocent in this one. It's like he's a it's like he's a fucking angel. I I like that Charlie in the 70s one had a little bit of a mischievous side he was you know yeah. it's kind of like you know yeah i'm gonna i'm i'm proud to, i'm happy to be here but also you know i'm gonna steal some fizzy lifting drinks yeah <laughs> uh but yeah charlie in this one is this you know this is like saintly little will do anything for his family kid which counterbalances wonka's hatred of families mm -hmm. and uh I, they have good chemistry together uh depp and highmore and they had previously worked together on the film finding neverland which is why mm. you know, they had good chemistry in that so burton brought him on on this one too Mm -hmm. Um, I gave it to Deep Roy, who plays the Oompa Loompas. 
Yeah. Because he's playing like 500 different characters. <laughs> uh, all distinct, or most of them distinct. You know, they, they're all doing something different. Uh, and he apparently, like, his salary went up because they realized, like, he was playing additional characters. So, it, like, it jumped to, like, a million bucks, and he was very happy with that. Um, wow. My favorite Oompa Loompa of the whole franchise is Hugh Grant in the new one because I love that he did that. <laughs> Just... You cast Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa who is like vengeful and devoted to finding Wonka no, no matter what. Like, I love that. <laughs> uh, all right. Line. Let's talk dialogue. There are some there's some great dialogue moments in this one. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you start us off? Um. So <laughs> this is why I love this Johnny Depp, because he would say the most wildest things. Um uh so he says everything so this is when they're in the chocolate room in the beginning and he goes everything in this room is eatable even i'm eatable but that's called cannibalism my dear children and is in fact pr found upon in most societies i loved that line <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was a cute one i like that one too um one of my favorites is um uh, right when they get to the factory and they, they walk in and gloop goes uh don't you want to know our names and wonka just goes can't imagine how it would matter and just keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care. I love it. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, another one. I love his ongoing battle with Mike TV. Like <laughs> from the start, you know, he hates he hates this kid because he didn't do it the right way. He cracked the like like the production code and figured out where to find a candy bar. He didn't even like chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and every time he says anything, he like calls him out on on being a mumbler and uh <laughs> my favorite one is when he says once again you really shouldn't mumble because it's kind of starting to bum me out yeah <laughs> just keeps going after this kid <laughs> i love that one yeah he's he's the the king of shade over here um <laughs> there was one he was talking about augustus when the mom was like oh what's gonna happen like is he gonna get is he going to get sucked into the thing and then be transported all around the world in like little candy bars? And he's like, could you imagine Augustus flavored chocolate goop? Like, ill? no one would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and his mom is like, all right. <laughs> I love it. I like how that scene plays out in the original one a little, a little better when, uh, like he's like, the mom's like, you know, hope you made into fudge in five seconds. And Wonka's like, that's absurd. That's unthinkable. She's like, why? It's like, because that pipe doesn't go to the marshmallow room. It goes to the fudge room or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I, I love his complete disdain for Gloop. Um, mm -hmm. I, I like when they when they first go in and um, they're all like, the kids are all introducing themselves to Wonka, despite the fact that he said, like, I don't care. <laughs> and um, Gloop just goes right in his face and goes, I love your chocolate. And Wonka looks down and he says, I can see that. Wow. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love a you good know, fat joke. As, really as you were going through these the lines that you just chose, I just thought, and I know there's not seven of them, but it made me wonder if there's a concept where these kids represent some of the seven deadly sins. Yeah, 100%. I wrote a paper on that in college. Mm -hmm. I wrote, mm -hmm. uh, compared to Dante's Inferno, like I, mm -hmm. I argued that like, Willy Wonka is Virgil, the poet, guiding mm -hmm. Charlie, who's supposed to be Dante, through the seven circles of hell, which are the factory. And you know, some of the ones are obviously, you know, Gloop is is, is gluttony, Veruca Salt yeah. is uh, 
greed and violet's pride mike tv is wrath mm-hmm. i argue the grandpa joe was like lust but like a lust for life kind of lust oh interesting and like the oompa loompas are like the cherubs of purgatory or something like i mm. i went deep on that shit and i i did really well on that paper so like i've looked mm. into that theory a lot mm-hmm. it's cool yeah, i can see it coming alive yeah yeah for sure and you know doll being a you know a learned man a you know a writer i'm sure he there's no way that was an accident mm-hmm. um <laughs> I like this one line towards the end when uh, Wonka meets the grandparents and uh, Grandma Georgina, the one who's uh, kind of, you know, a little dealing with dementia, just says, uh, you smell like peanuts. I love peanuts. And Wonka goes, oh, thank you. You smell like old people <laughs> and soap. Oh my God. <laughs> Any other lines you want to shout? That's all I've got. Um, it kind of ties back to what we were talking about a little earlier, um, where, where he was, you know, when um, Charlie was saying, like, how does he know, how do the Oompa Loompas know, I guess is his name, to be able to put in the song. And Willie, Willie Wonka says, just say a word, any word. And Violet gives chewing gum and he goes like, chewing gum is really gross. Chewing gum, I hate the most. <laughs> See? <laughs> I love that. It's just, it's fun. The things that he would say kind of on the fly. It's funny. Yeah. I like a lot I love of this movie. I can tell. Um, <laughs> Depp, Depp made it his mission also to, uh, he wanted to include as many lines from the book as he could. And mm-hmm. Wonka in the book is like a hyper sarcastic man child. Like if you, like you combine Wilder and you combine Depp and you get book Wonka. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of stuff like, uh, like when Wonka gets corrected by Veruca about talking about the waterfall again mm-hmm. and he goes after them. He's like, well, you're, you're all quite short, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> like that That's that's book Wonka right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that's I, some yeah. real British humor. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, well, let's take a look at what the good people over at Letterboxd have to say on our final Uh-oh. segment. What's in the box? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has a 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Not bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that over the years, people have uh, warmed up to this one, I think. Uh, But not everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This first one's from Abby. Imagine being so fucking extra that you move your entire house to a faraway location to avoid your son. Five stars. Wow. Yeah. How the hell did... Who do you hire to do that? Because you can't do that yourself. You got to cut this house out of a fucking line of houses and move it to like the middle of nowhere, England. and Put it on the wheels. Yeah. I don't know what moving company you hire for that shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. This one's from Jake Rosenberg. I think I'd had enough when Willy Wonka offered Mike TV a high five. Quote, slide me some skin, soul brother. <laughs> also, Oompa Loompas invented Wakanda forever. Two at, two stars. Yeah, remember? That? The Oompa Loompas did it first. Oh my god. <laughs> Wonk Conda forever. No. <laughs> Blasphemous. <laughs> 
Uh, this one's from Rosie Hart. My notes on the kids. Charlie, so sweet, but when he made the grandpa sad, I thought I might die. Veruca, <laughs> kind of an icon, but I'd shoot her if I got the chance. Fair. Violet, little asshole, but so badass. <laughs> Augustus, I nearly vomited. Also, when he got stuck in the tube. Funny face. Mm. Mike TV. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know he's a little bitch, but he's the funniest of them all. <laughs> he's a little bitch. Five stars. Wow. And this <laughs> this last one's from Jordan Beaumont Anderson. So, Willy Wonka closes his factory, which collapses the local economy and replaces his employees with actual slaves. He creates a <gasps> contest which functions purely as a marketing gimmick to line his pockets with additional billions. This entire time, he continues to specifically target children with his product, locking many of them into a lifelong struggle with binge eating and diabetes. He summons oh several families to an industrial workplace filled with OSHA violations, which directly <laughs> leads to the injury of multiple children. Finally, like any predator, Wonka tries to recruit a young boy into his world of capitalist decadence. Willy Wonka is a monster. One star. Wow. When you put it like that, it's hard <laughs> to argue with it. <laughs> the rabbit hole that that will make me go through now. Wow. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of a bad person, Wonka. He's a pretty monstrous yeah. dude. I mean, so is I feel like yeah. I feel like that's fair across the board with all of them. Yeah, pretty much. People, you know, people in a rolled doll story are all dealing with their own bullshit mm -hmm. uh but yeah i do love the idea that like yeah he the oompa loompas are slaves let's be honest about this like they're getting paid in cocoa beans and they're doing everything wonka is not making shit the oompa loompas are making this candy even in therapy yeah he's got an admin office why does he have an admin office who is he who's what meetings are being set here he doesn't work with anybody and they don't speak the language right no, they communicate in like armpit farts and like that, you know, that <laughs> tongue <Just> noise. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's unhinged. Like I said earlier, I know he has DID, like, but it's, it works and I love it. It's great. Good morning, Starshine. The earth says hello. Hello. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That was the Mr. Rogers influence right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yeah. I will say that line to people in my life. Really? I, I often quote, I say a lot of things from the original movie, like, I'm sorry, all questions must be submitted in writing. And yeah. Like that, and like, if you, have any, if you have any questions, dial information. Thank you for calling. <laughs> things like that. I, yeah. Stuff, you know, help. Police. Murder. <laughs> I love sarcastic. I don't give a fuck Wonka. That's my favorite kind of Wonka. Mm -hmm. I liked the new one with Chalamet, but I thought he he was too optimistic. He was too hopeful about the future. The Willy Wonka I know give a fuck about the future. He's done yeah. with everything. He doesn't care. He's here yeah. to he's here to find someone to take over this shit for him so he can leave and just you know go to space and fight for Mrs. Knids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, I still haven't seen the um, Timothy Chalamet. Apparently, his name is Timothy. 
Oh yeah, it's Timothy Chalamet, but since I'm not, you know, fucking Montel Jordan, I'm not saying that. <laughs> not Montel Jordan. <laughs> yeah. It's Timothy. <laughs> or it's it's Timothy or it's Tim. You cannot be Timothy. I'm not doing that. Oh wow. I'm not playing his game. I'm not doing this. <laughs> you can't help that he's French. Like <laughs> he is not French. Yeah, he is. Is he not? I'm, I'm we're gonna I'm find out. Timothy Chalamet. Okay, American and French actor. My mistake. But he's yeah. from he's from New York. He's he's got French ancestry. He's as French as I am Peruvian. The, <laughs> no, I thought he actually like lived or like went to school in France or something like that. Regardless, That's... I'm not calling him Timothy. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing Ooh. it. <laughs> and I really liked Wonka too. I thought he was a good choice. I thought he did, he did well. I'm looking forward to Dune. I think he's a great actor, but I'm not calling him Timothy. Oh. <laughs> ah, this was fun. I enjoyed this. Thanks for listening, mm-hmm. everybody. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, of course, send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or X. Check out our Letterboxd accounts for daily reviews. You can search for me at Connor95, and in my friends list, you can find the rest of the team. Check out the website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to that Letterboxd if you want to read my reviews. You can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films, and every episode of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, feel free to click on the link in the episode description. From there, click on Support This Podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. All donations go right back into the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their contributions to the show. Thanks to Cooley Cal for our awesome theme music. And thanks to you for checking out the show. Next Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So we wanted to spotlight one of the greatest love stories ever told. When the reluctant Princess Buttercup is forced to marry the sadistic Prince Humperdinck, her one true love, Wesley, plans to save her and live happily ever after. But the actions of an evil count separate them possibly for good, and their only hope is a vengeful Spaniard and a kind-hearted giant. Next week, it's the 1987 fantasy classic, The Princess Bride. Another lifelong favorite of mine, one I'm very excited to discuss. Have you seen The Princess Bride? Mm-hmm. Fantastic I movie. Uh, I already read the book to prep, and it's so in line. Like, it's this, it's such a great adaptation. It's the same mm-hmm. writer as the book and the screenplay, so, like, the, the tone is perfect. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for next week. Um, until then, cherish your family, and once again... Have a candy bar. Take it easy, keep watching movies, and we'll see you next time.